as we begin this new series entitled, He Has a Name. He Has a Name. Now, the premise is this. Remember, we started off at the, kind of just before Christmas, and we started off working through a series entitled, Proper Response to Christmas, Proper Response to Jesus. Remember, we went through our proper response to Jesus. Can you remember that? Come on, nod your heads. If you weren't here while we were doing our proper response to Jesus, that's all available on the app. You can go back and watch and listen to all of those messages. And then we went through, okay, what is our proper response to Jesus? And then we went through and we said, well, our proper response to Jesus is to know what He called us so we know what our purpose is in our response to Jesus. Remember that? So we went into a series entitled, Promises Made. What has He promised us? Okay, we just finished our Promises Made series. And now we're going to look at saying, well, hang on. If I know that I need to respond to Jesus by doing what he's called me to be, I now need to get into a relationship with the Father that Jesus has asked me to be in relationship with. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the whole purpose of Jesus saying, hey, check me out, was so that you could check out the Father. Am I making sense? So it's no good just walking around calling yourself a Christ follower if you're not following Christ to get to the Father. And I say that again. It's no good just walking around calling yourself a Christ follower if you're not following Jesus to get to the Father. That's pretty deep. I'll repeat what he said. And when we have a look at that and understand that, it's pretty crazy because we often get caught in following Jesus and it's all about Jesus. Yes, it's all about Jesus so that we can have a relationship with the Father. Check it out. Remember, we're working through Romans chapter 12 for the whole year. We're finally going to get into verse 2 tonight. In the third message series on this, we're finally going to get into verse 2 tonight. It says this, Beloved friends, Romans chapter 12, 1 to 2. What then should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies and promises? Are you seeing where I get my names from? And then finally it says this. It says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God. Did you get that? Our response to the promises of God brings us to a place of surrendering to Him. Our response to Jesus brings us to a place of surrendering to the Father. Come on now. That's good. I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights whose heart? His heart. When we call ourselves a Christian for the sake of calling ourselves a Christian and we're not getting into a place to surrender with the Lord, we are calling ourselves a Christian to delight our heart. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. That delights my heart to say that. I can come overcome all things. That delights my heart to say that. It delights me to look down my nose at those who have not surrendered their lives to Christ. It delights me to say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm part of that church or this church, and I have been giving for 45 years. It delights your own heart when you just call yourself a Christ follower by name and not using your relationship with Jesus to become into a close, surrendered, sacrificial, worshiping relationship with God. That's what Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 asks us to do. That's the end of it. Did you notice that? 
We surrender to the promises by, by our responding to Jesus, accepting his promises, and then coming into a relationship with God, and that is called worship. Not coming and raising our hands. That's something we do corporately to express what's going on in our lives Monday through Saturday, and that is I'm turning to Jesus, I'm responding to his promises, I'm not believing the promises of this world, and I'm receiving and I'm stepping into a surrendered, sacrificial, worshipful relationship with the Father. Does that make sense? But then, who is the Father? How many of you have got a picture of the Father that's actually a picture of your dad, your earthly dad. Yeah, if your, if your dad was kind of dictatorial, well, then God's kind of got a dictatorial streak in him, hasn't he? If your, if your dad was kind of full, of full of joy, well, God's got like more of a joy and a good sense of humor. It's crazy how we can adopt the picture of the father based on the picture of our earthly father. I, I had that problem. My dad was a tyrant, so God was a tyrant. Yeah? My, God, my dad beat the living daylights into us. He beat the word of God into us, literally. And so God was beating me up every time I got something wrong. Am I the only sinner in the room? Yeah? And so we get to a place of saying, well, I can get to calling myself a Christian because I know Jesus loves me. But there seems to be a barrier to press through to surrender all that we are in worship so that we can be in a relationship with the Father. There seems to be some kind of barrier. In fact, when we have a look at it, we fundamentally worship a God we don't really know. We worship God through the lens of Jesus, but Scripture says we don't, come to, we don't worship God through a lens of Jesus. We come into a personal relationship through Jesus. Am I making sense? And we've got this kind of, have you ever, bathroom glass, you know what I'm talking about? Bathroom glass, it's that stippled, hazy kind of glass you put on the bathroom windows. You can kind of see through it, but you can't, right? It's not clear, it's not supposed to be clear, otherwise people could see in and that's just creepy. It's that kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there, but I'm not in a clear picture of seeing the Father, I can see Jesus, I can see all the practices and things I'm supposed to be doing, and I can see all of these things in front of me, and I know that the Father's there because I can see His light, and it's a wonderful feeling, but, but you never really step into that deep ability to just, no matter what's going on, step into the arms of the Father. Step into the presence of the Most High God, just like that. We have to have the music just at the right volume and the kids shut up and the dogs must stop barking and the right music song must play. And if those praise and worship team play too loudly, I just can't step into the presence of God. Stop looking at the bathroom window and get out into the garden and smell the roses. Because God is present in your life all the time, before you believed in Jesus, after you believed in Jesus, while you believed in Jesus, He is present. He is seeping into every nook and cranny of the universe, and the universe seeps into every nook and cranny of who He is. Am I making sense? And so when we look at it, we can't worship a God we don't know. I, I know God. Do you? How come it is then that when we ask people, do you know Jesus? Everyone goes, oh, I know Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. 
But when I ask people, do you know the Father, they get this confounded look on my face, like their face, like, what are you asking? What do you mean? They don't get this excited, of course I know the Father. He's awesome. He's, you with me? We've become so conditioned to stopping at believing that we believe in Jesus. And we sometimes stop ourselves from stepping into a deeper relationship. Now, I'm not trying to undermine Jesus. If anybody knows me, you know I'm not trying to undermine Jesus. But I'm, I'm trying to highlight why Jesus came. Jesus came to allow us to have a deep relationship with the Father. And I know he's called God. He's called capital L, Lord. He's called, if you're a really big Bible student, he's called Yahweh. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nissi. That's not God. That's a word we've given God to placate our situation. When we are downtrodden, we call on Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When we're in need, when we're in peace, oh, Father, Abba, where are you? We know the names when we're in trouble. We know the names when we need him, but we don't know who he is, the fiber of his being, the, the, the way he's made, the, the makeup of his personality, the, the contours of his face, the, the smell of his royal robe, the, the touch of his glorious eternal hand on our lives, the, the smell of glory, the smell of his presence, the tangible existence of the most high God in our house, in our living room, in our home, in our lives. Do we know that about the Father? When we close our eyes, can we see and sense the presence of the Father? Or do we stop short at the impaled Jesus on a cross? This is the, this is the series we're about to embark in, not studying the Hebrew around this name and that name. We're going to study all of those names, but we're going to study why is he called all of those things. We're going to look at his personality why he's called all of those things. Who is he? Not what he's called. It is who he is that we need to give a name to, not a title. Am I making sense? When we think of Eden, let's, let's take Eden. We've been picking on the, on the mic of, and, and you know, the, the, the Moore family tonight. So let's think of Eden. When you think of little baby Eden, what jumps into your mind? Can I have some words? Pure. Innocent. Cute. Everyone goes, oh. Yeah, it's not a word, but we know what we're talking about. But there's like, there's like not that many words that describe her. We can come up with some synonyms of other names and other words, but really when we think about it, she hasn't been around long enough for us to have a full understanding of her reputation. Now you have a look at me. I'm 44 years into making my reputation dirt. And when you think of, when you think of my name, other qualities... You also go, oh, he's so cute. But you've added other qualities to that, right? You've added wisdom, tall, chiseled physique, glorious in appearance, accent. Humility is my best quality. If you want to know how to do humility, you must just come and ask me. I'll show you how. how. Are you with me? The longer we live the more we can get to know about the person. 
The longer we live, the greater name I can have, the greater reputation I can have. The more people get to know me, the more they see when I'm in a bad way, that's how he reacts. When I'm a, but baby Eden hasn't had enough time. By the time I get to 80, my reputation is going to be bigger and longer than when I was eight months old. It makes sense, right? Now, if God has never had a beginning and he has no end, what kind of feeling do you get when you think of God? Surely it should be huge. It should be immense. He's had no end of time to build up a reputation. You with me? Now, I don't know about you, but when I step into a, a, a person's presence that's got a, a lot of life history and a lot of life story and a, and, a, and a lot going on in his life that's rich, there's a sense that I get from them without even them opening their mouth that they've got experience, they've got depth, they've got character. Am I making sense? You know the kind of people that when you step into a room, the whole room kind of seems to reverberate with their personality and it's good. Am I making sense? Now, now they've had... 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years to build up that reputation. God has had forever. So when he steps into a room or you step into a room with God, the kind of reputational impact that it should have on you is huge. He's had no beginning. He's always been building up his reputation. He's always been building up his name through experience, through wisdom, through love, through mercy, through all the good things. When we step into a room to worship the Most High God, it should be like an atomic bomb going off in our lives. Not pulling and dragging the world in behind us going, here we go again, God. When I step into the presence of God when I die, let me tell you something. The last of my worries is going to be your tithes and offerings. The last of my worries is going to be my mortgage payment. The last of my worries that I'm not even going to think about my children. Trust me. That's why scripture says in heaven there's no marriage. Because let me tell you something. When you step into the presence of the Most High God, He's everything. Because He's had all of this time to build up a name and a reputation and a presence and an impact and a, and, a, and a place in the universe that is the universe. Am I making any sense to you tonight? And we try and come along and say, Jehovah Nissi, my provider. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, whatever you want to call him. Lord with a capital L. Oh, Craig, you know the notes on Saturday? They didn't have a capital G for God. Like, really? Really? The last thing I think of when I step into the presence of God is whether I capitalize the word I use to express Him or not. Am I making sense? The last thing I think of when I step into the presence of God is whether as a female I'm wearing slacks or cut my hair or not. Whether I danced last night at a party or not. When I step into the presence of God, the entire duration of all time, of every good thing that could ever exist, ever will exist, hits me, envelops me, takes over me. That is God. Am I making sense? It's not some name we give Him. It's not some song words we sing. It's not some Bible reading we read or whether or not we capitalize the word Lord or God or not. That is irrespective. 
come on, you've got to be with me on this one. Oh, but what, do you, what do you mean? Well, you know what? We get people who truly cannot worship Jesus if they're not sitting in the same seat. Let alone stepping into an intimate, deep, transparent, vulnerable relationship with the Most High God. And you know what? God's not asking you to be deep and vulnerable. He's being deep and vulnerable to you. He's opened up the very most holy of holies, the place where he governs all of the universe, and he's called you into that chamber of existence. Wow. The place where galaxies are born, life is breathed, DNA is created, atoms are fused together, this place that, that everything hinges in the universe off. He said, come on, come on in. The CIA doesn't have enough rooms to contain the secret files of the Most High God, and he's throwing out top secret files at you all the time. Shh, don't tell anybody. But only the pastor can have faith for my healing. What hogwash. Huh, I'm going to church because I want my pastor to pray for me. So what you're saying is, is that God doesn't exist outside the presence of my prayers. God doesn't exist outside the presence of this room. I only, oh, when I go to church, I feel the presence of God. You're hypocrite, because that means you're not feeling the presence of God outside of church. That means you're being one thing in here and another thing out there. Ouch. You should be walking and you're going, man, I was at work today and God rocked up. And it was awesome. Am I making sense? So we can't worship this God unless we know his reputation. And he's been working a long time on his presence and his reputation. There's a whole lot we've got to learn. The most famous moment in Scripture where God says to mankind, this is who I am. Not what I'm called, not capitalized Lord, capitalized God, or Yahweh, or if he's feeling very, very, very kind of holy, Elohim. No, he, he just exposes his reputation and who he's been all this time. He gives Moses a glimpse of that. Yeah? And the only way Moses could describe the feeling of being exposed to the Most High God at that level, having that Holy Spirit curtain peeled back so he could catch a glimpse of the entire reputation of a man or a, a being that's been putting that reputation together for forever, as he peeled back through the, through the portal of the burning bush, Moses catches a glimpse of who the Father is. And this is what God says to him at that moment. Have a look at Exodus 3.14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am. Like three letters. This eternal reputation, I am. Great. Is there a part two to that? Is there another series? Is it like... The cliffhanger, series, episode 9 on series 1. And we've got to binge watch to see if we can catch up with what's going on. Amen. So now all of a sudden, this moment that God peels back for one of the first times, Bible writers say, I am. Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
stands up in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all of his apostles get the sense of God's presence, get this, this incredible, eternal, I will always be. I'm not leaving you. I might go away for a moment, but I will always be. I am. And as he says that, they realize the whole of the Old Testament attaches to the whole of the New Testament, and boom, the whole of mankind sees who God is. Wow, I get goosebumps just thinking about that. And so Moses writes down, I am that I am. But we, we just said, I am. That's cool. I am. Delve a little deeper, and you'll find that if you've got the notes in front of you, there's a, there's a Hebrew lettering that, that means higher. Not higher, H-I-G-H-E-R. That's cool, because he is the most high God. Not higher. How's it going? No, higher. H-A-Y-A-H. And this, this, this Hebrew lettering was formed, and it means, this is, this is what it means. It says B. We've come down now from three letters to two letters. Talk about simplicity. This Hebrew word simply means B. Here's the crazy thing. Go to Genesis chapter 1 and listen to the creation account and read it in Hebrew. Strong's Cordance number 410 is used in the same place where God said, Let there be light. Let there be light. We've written it down in text, and God said, No, it just happened because God was light, there was light. Because there was, he was able to differentiate between light and dark. There was day and night. Because he was able to differentiate between the land mass and the sea mass. There was a shoreline. Because he could think it, it was. Because he was being it. Am I making sense? Higher means this. It, it says that the definition of this word is the actual release of power so that the accomplishment is assured. The actual release of power so that the accomplishment is assured. Oh, I want to preach on faith right now. But anyway, the actual accomplishment of power, uh, the actual release of power so that the accomplishment is assured. In other words, what God is, I am, will be, I am. What God is, will be. Think about that now. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father because Jesus also said, I am. So what I am will be, it's a cycle, what God is in his personality, in his reputation. What, if God is forgiveness, you don't have to beg God to forgive you. Forgiveness is not something he hands out and issues decrees to say you are forgiven. God is forgiven, there will be forgiveness. God is mercy, therefore there will be mercy. God is provision, therefore there will be provision. You're not waiting for God to issue a, a form that says, give so-and-so on such-and-such -such a date at such-and-such -such a time. This is an issue decree of forgiveness. Next. Don't we see God like that? Oh, I just, I just get the sense that God has just given me a word. No, God is the word, therefore there will be a word. Am I, am I making sense? If I step into the presence of God, I will have a word. I don't have to come and go, oh, I, I got a word from God. I had this dream, and I think it means this. And I think, let me tell you something. You won't have to think about the word of God when you step into the presence of the word. 
Am I making sense? Where God is, there is truth because God is truth. We so flippantly say, God is love. No, God is I am. And it will be. That's what that word means. Higher I am means I am what I am will be. For Moses, in that moment, as he, as he pulled back the spiritual sheet and saw God, what was he seeing? God was saying, I am salvation. I am redemption. Therefore, it will be that my people will be saved and redeemed. For Moses, in that moment, Haya meant the people being liberated from Egypt. And God was saying, who, shall, who said I sent you? Who shall I say sent you? Me? And Moses was told by God, hey, go and tell them that I am salvation. I am liberation. I am freedom sent you. I am and it will be. What I am will be. I don't have to be called upon to be it. You don't have to pray 45 times to me to be it. I don't have to do all these things to be it. I am it and it will be it. Am I making sense? Let me tell you something. I can't explain this what my heart is happening right now about this teaching. It's blowing me away sitting here. For all this time, I have put the word to who God is in my life. And I never, ever stopped and got a sense of who he was in my life. Why? Because I was taught religiously, you can't even say the name Yahweh. It's too holy. No, no, no. The Word of God is just too plain confusing for somebody who doesn't have revelation. Here's what happened. The, the authors of the Bible, the, the, I mean the, the, the translators of the Bible, they came across this word higher when they were talking to Abraham about faith. And they went, but hang on, how does that word with faith fit in with Joseph's word about courage and wisdom? How does, how does higher be courage and wisdom and faith? Oh, that's confusing. How is he liberation and salvation for Moses? How is he? And when, we, when they had to look at all of these other terms that they added next to hire, provider, nissi, all these other words that were populated with this word hire, the I am, the I am the Lord, and you and I am the Lord. I am hire, God of Abraham, God of I. I am hire, Elohim of Abraham, Elohim of Isaac, Elohim of Jacob. Yeah? Am I making sense? There was these other words that were constantly being attached to this higher word. They went, ah, we've got to come up with one word here that can kind of just encompass all of this. Capital Lord. Okay. And when we read Genesis, and the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. We don't say, and the higher said, or higher light. And there was light. The I am, and it was. So when we say God is love, it is. I don't have to earn it. Because you see, <laughs> mankind through religion tries to shape who God is. If I do the right thing, then God is forgiving. If I do the right thing, then He is merciful. If I do the right thing, then He loves me. So what you're actually saying is you can shape God's response to you by what you do. You've just made yourself the I am. Because what you want will be. Am I making sense? But when we let God be the I am, when we let God be the higher, then all that he is will be. And I don't have to do a thing about it. 
And I almost just swore in this church for the second time. And you can put two and two together. Sis, your mind's in the gutter. So they translated this Lord as the word. Listen, I can see Lord just by watching Downton Abbey. There's plenty of Lords in Downton Abbey. For those of you who watch Downton Abbey, oh, come on. Men, raise your hands. There's plenty of Lords. There's Lord this one and Lord that one and Lord the other one. But that's just what they owned. That wasn't who they were. Am I making sense? God is and so it will be. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 12 tells us, when we get an understanding of who He is and what He is will be, we will stop trying to be what we need to be and we will sacrifice our being so that God can be. That's what Romans chapter 12 tells me. When I realize and I step into the presence of the Most High God and I realize that I have been working up a storm to try and be my own provider, but He is provision, so I can put down my efforts to be a provider and just completely sacrifice myself at the altar of provision because He is provision. Am I making sense? But what do we do? We go and get five jobs, we run ourselves to death, and we never see our family to provide. Whereas God is provision if I just turn my attention to Him, watch Him supernaturally provide. Trust me, my family and I are a walking example of supernatural provision. Oh, we had wealth back in South Africa, but that quickly burns up when you don't have a job and you're now living in one of the most expensive countries in the world. Our money from South Africa ran out years ago. For the, for the first year and a half us being here, we didn't have job. We self-supported. John Noriega knows that. He was in California with us. But God provided. I sat back and preached the Word of God and had an absolute blast doing it. I wasn't running around trying to get a job, get a job, do this, get that, get the other, freak out. Why? Because I just let God be provision in my life. But we read the Scriptures and it's, Lord. No. In the moment, God's name is a personal revelation of who God is in the moment that you call upon Him. Can I say that again? God's name is a personal revelation of who God is in the moment that you call upon His name. What name must I call upon? Him being whatever you need Him to be in the moment. That's why in James, it can say, if you need wisdom, call upon the Lord and he will be higher, same word used in the Greek, higher wisdom. In Psalms, that it says, I will be your savior. It means when I call upon the name of God, I call upon salvation. He will be my savior. He will hire. He is salvation. I don't have to earn my salvation, pray a sinner's prayer to get my salvation, or not dance or dance on a Saturday night before I go to church to get my salvation. When I turn my attention to the salvation of who God is, I am in the midst of salvation. Am I making any sense to anybody? God is, therefore it will be. And that means that if I've got something that is happening in my life that is not of God... I haven't turned that area over of my life to God. 
Because if there's something evil, something wrong, something not going well in my life, it's not that I'm a sinner. It's just that I haven't exposed the problem that I've got, the issue that I've got to the personality of God. If I'm struggling financially, and I have for years, but I've been tithing faithfully, you means you've been tithing religiously. You need to turn your finances over to the God who is giving you all finances to worship Him. Here's the deal. The more we get revelation of who God is for us in the moment that we need Him and what we need of Him, the more we want to worship Him. The more we worship Him, the more we get a revelation of who He is. The more we get a revelation of who He is, the more we wish to worship Him. What stands between us and getting a revelation and worshiping God? Us trying to be the higher. I've got to leave this place and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do the other. And that's why your minds were nowhere near worship tonight because you were thinking about what higher you had to go and be. I had to come in late from worship because there was a problem on the online platform and I could fix it and I needed to do this and I needed to do that and I needed to do the other. You know what? God's got it. It's okay. Expose yourself to the reputation that is timeless of who God is. Not what He's called. He has a name. A reputational name, not a title name. He has a name. He has a reputation. When you think of God, man, alive, an atomic bomb goes off in your heart. And you are exposed to every divine goodness that there ever will be, ever has been, or ever could be. In that moment, I am, and so it will be. Oh, I haven't been healed. I've been praying to God for healing, and I haven't been healed. I must lack faith. You've just made yourself the great I am. You're trying to say that God's healing is defined by your faith. No, He is healing, therefore there will be healing. But we get so paranoid about what we're doing wrong and what we're doing right, that God's not healing us, that we all fall down. Am I making any sense? Check out this, I'm going to end on this, because I've got more notes than I can preach. So, it's not a name, it's a personal revelation in every situation. So when the Bible translators came, they found this word higher in so many different situations, referring to anything from power to love to mercy to wisdom to forgiveness. They couldn't figure out this word. So the name they put in was a title, capitalized Lord, capitalized God, and hoped that the reader would find personal revelation in that name. They were reading the revelation of God's being in situations with some of the, the most Intimate people that could ever be with God. Just think about this. When Moses described God, Moses described God, he had been in the immediate presence of the Most High God. I'm not just talking having a good worship experience here on a Sunday morning kind of presence. God walked past him and had to cover him so that he could walk past him. That's how close. God's hand touched the back of Moses. If anybody could describe the feeling of that reputation, that name, just, just enveloping everything in that situation, it was Moses. Come on now. And I could go on. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all had intimate experiences. So when, they, when, they, when the Bible writers saw this word, Chaya, they were actually reading about the personal revelation of God in the moment 
to some of the most intimate people that have been with God. Yeah? Now you know why you've got the Old Testament. To learn about what was going on in that moment so that you can be just as intimate with God. Amen? Come on. And then when that crashes with the great I am in the New Testament, just fireworks go off. Well, they should anyway. So then we get to Jeremiah 11, and I promise you I'll close here. And I might continue this message next week, I don't know. Jeremiah 11, 3-4 says this, And say to them, talking about the same story, Moses, Israelites, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt, from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and doing, do according to all that I command you. Obey my voice and do all that I command you. That sounds like I'm supposed to surrender to a master. Well, I don't mind surrendering to this master. I sacrifice. I, give, I surrender myself as a living sacrifice, and I do all that he's asked me to do. That's called worship. If he was a stone image, we would be coming in and bowing down and chanting funny things and lighting candles. So obedience and listening to the command is worship, right? It's bowing and worshiping. So here's the deal. I promise you I'm finishing on this. Obey my voice and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be. What word do you think would be? You're wrong. Let's go. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. Yeah? So now I go back into that scripture and I go back and I look at the Hebrew two words be and they're different. They're different bees. So then I look up the, the, the Strong's the Hebrew of these two different bees, and let's do the, first, the second one first. I will be your God. What do you think bees there? Chaya. I am. I will be. I always have been. This is my reputation. This is my name. This is who I am. I will be your God. I will be your Elohim. I am Chaya Elohim. Am I making sense? God is Elohim. And so when I look at it, now I understand why with all of these different revelations of higher all over the place, that's why God said, I am higher, the God of Abraham, who had a personal revelation of what a higher is. So you might get confused that the personal revelation of Isaac was different, a different God, but he was getting a different personality revelation of who I was than Joseph was. And so you might get confused because the higher is not some boxed God that everybody knows where his temple is, not some boxed God that we go and light candles to, not some boxed God that we call capital a Lord. I am all things all the time to all people, all in different positions, all all in different revelations. So he said, I am Chaya, and just so that you know I'm the same guy, I am God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and you with me? And Jacob. I got too excited, I forgot his name. Forgive me, Jacob. Am I making sense? That's why all over the New Testament we get this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because there were so many different lenses of revelation of this name, of this reputation, of who the Most High God was, that you could understand why people would get confused as regards, what are we serving the same God here? You call God faith, you call God wisdom, you call God healing, you call, are we on the same page? And then I had a look at, at the, the first B, and you shall be, wehitem. That B means gradual revelation of. I have always been, 
And when you gradually get a revelation of who I am, who I've been, who I always will be, as you go on the path of getting the revelation, you will gradually get to be who I am. Have the mind of Christ. And you will be my people. He didn't call us Chaya because he knew that we could never be Chaya. He said, all I need you to do is be able to get a gradual revelation of who I'm being and so it will be. Who I'm being and so it will be. Who I'm being and so it will be. Man, that excited me. I just have to be willing to lay down one piece of myself today and have a new revelation of who he is. Lay down one piece of myself today. Sacrifice, surrender, sacrifice of me wanting to be the higher and rather be the Wihitem. Am I making any sense tonight? Man, when you get an understanding of this, God's name to you is the depth of who He is in the moment. God's name to you is the depth of who He is in the moment. Maybe in the moment, He is wisdom. James 1.5. Maybe in the moment, it's forgiveness. Psalm 86.5. Maybe in the moment, it's love. Maybe in the moment, it's brave. I need to be brave. I need to be strong. Isaiah 41.13. Maybe in the moment, it's salvation. Isaiah 49.26. Maybe in the moment, next week, Elohim and Abba. Maybe in the moment, that's what we need to call upon him. But at the center, he is who he is and he always will be and it will be. He is who it is and it will be. He's always been that. He always will be that. It's the assured outworking of his word. If he's spoken love, there will be love. If he's spoken forgiveness, there will be forgiveness. If he's thought, if he's even breathed, if he's even sighed mercy, there will be mercy because he is mercy. He is love. He is forgiveness. But the depth of that name is only real to you when you take the depth of who God is into the moment that you're in. Does it make any sense? Wow. I am on a personal revelation of God, of who He's always been, who He is, and who He always will be. And that, as a result of that worship, He calls me His people. <laughs>